covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. The Brewers continue to, for the most part, play pretty good baseball. They did just lose two out of three to the Twins. Obviously, those things happen. You don't get too overly upset about a uh, series loss prior to uh, that series. They were matched up against the Cincinnati Reds where they took two out of three. And uh, those two wins that they had against Cincinnati all but, uh, in my opinion, uh, locked up the division as the Reds really needed a series sweep. And the Reds ended up uh, losing ground in that series. In fact, uh, as you look at where the standings are sitting, we're recording this on Sunday night. Not a whole lot changed even with uh, the Brewers losing two out of three against Minnesota. The Brewers sit with an eight-and-a-half game lead on the Reds going into a four-game series against San Francisco. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Before we go any further, let's do our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter. Find me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast, uh, really appreciate you doing that. Want to leave a ranking and review, want to subscribe so uh, everything that we do comes right to uh, your phone or wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, We can. Uh, that would be great. And it helps uh, more and more people find the podcast. Our podcast numbers uh, this month, the month of August, it looks like has been our best podcast listening month ever. And it's because of you listening. So thank you uh, so much. Again, we hope that uh, the show, the actual Brewers Extra post postgame show, which we added to this feed, has been something you've enjoyed. I still hope this is a, you know, when, when we talk about podcasting things, so part of what I, I love doing the show no matter what, I enjoy the interaction that I have with people during the postgame show, whether it's people calling into the show, texting in the show, tweeting in the show, all that sort of stuff. So when you start podcasting it, you kind of get worried that maybe you're going to lose some of that interaction because somebody's going to say, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed and I'll listen to the podcast of the show tomorrow as opposed to listening tonight. I don't know if that actually happens or not. Um, but if you do have the chance to stay up and listen to it live and interact, I always like that because interaction is fun. And I like hearing uh, from everybody and, uh, and their thoughts on, uh, on what's going on. But, yeah, the, uh, the podcast numbers are great and we're very happy about that. So thank you for being tuned in. I... It's the same thing. Like Ashton Rotman's going to join us. He's our featured guest coming up in just a few moments. I'm recording this right now, but I've already recorded that interview, so I know what you're about to hear. Uh, our conversation is really forward-looking. Like how, how does this team look going into the postseason? And I know the postseason is a month away, and I'm not trying to put the card in front of the horse. I'm not trying to challenge the baseball gods when the Brewers have uh, a big lead in the division. But clearly... The Brewers are in a spot right now where if they just kind of put their head down, just take care of business, just win enough games, you know, we could talk about the magic number, we can talk about all those things. The Brewers are going to be able to go into the postseason and kind of set themselves up the way they want to be set up. The only thing they can't control is injuries, and, and there are there's a fair amount of injuries. Willie Adamas missed some time this past week. He finally returned to the lineup against the Twins as the DH for a couple games. Uh, you're just any time an injury like that happens, you're going to give guys a whole lot more time to come back than you would if you were in the middle of a pennant race. If you were in the middle of, you know, fighting out every single night and every win really mattered. The the wins still matter, but the wins matter just in the sense that you got to win X number of games 
to be able to complete winning the division and, and getting into the postseason. Like when they come, how they come, all that doesn't really matter. Just get enough wins. Do what you got to do to get enough wins, but at the same time, also do what you need to do to be your best self going into the postseason. And, and injuries are a part of what's maybe making people a little bit nervous right now. So you had Willie Adamas who got banged up. He's, he's back now. Um, Eduardo Escobar has been on the injured list. Again, that seems like something that he might not be on the injured list as long as he's going to be if it's a situation where they really need to find some wins. Uh, Tyrone Taylor, that's a, that's a legit deal. You look at the oblique injury. Those things uh, definitely take some time to be able to, uh, to get healthy and uh, you give him all the time. Because the thing with that is where, where it's a little bit dicey, a little bit dangerous, is you can, you can re-aggravate the oblique so easy. So uh, the, the trainers and the doctors and everybody that's part of the, kind of that process of coming back from it, you have to be very, very careful and very, very deliberate in how much you ramp up activity as you're continuing to heal because if you push it a little bit too much, you can re-aggravate it and you can all of a sudden be all the way back to, to square one and that's the last thing that you want. Freddie Peralta, uh, you get the sense that they're just being really, really careful with him. It's a very slight shoulder deal, but his of all the starters... His innings pitched is what you're really watching more than anyone else because he's already eclipsed pretty much anything he's ever done in his career. And We knew the innings pitch thing was going to be something to be very cognizant of for all pitchers this year going from the 60 to the 162. But then when you have that plus a guy like Freddie Peralta who's bounced between being a starter and a reliever, doesn't have that much big league time as a, as a starting pitcher, uh, you got to be that much more careful. And he's at around, what, 121 innings pitched, and his career high is right around 100, so he's already gone past that. You just want to make sure that he is as healthy as he possibly can be going into the postseason. So if you get, they gave him a little bit of a rest around the All-Star break. It feels like they're kind of giving him another rest here, and uh, that is uh, that is absolutely okay. And the idea is to do what you can do to be as healthy as possible going into the postseason. And you can't control everything. If somebody gets injured in that final series against the Dodgers or that final week between you know, St. Louis or Los, like there's nothing you can do about that. But what you can do right now is for the guys who are a little bit banged up, uh, try to find a way to make sure that they're not coming back at 80% because they can, but you get them as close to 100% as possible with the idea that that gives them the best chance to uh, stay healthy and not re-aggravate it. So that's one thing. Uh, Brewers continue to not have all that much success against left-handed starters. There's some teams out there that they could see in the postseason, including the Braves for that matter, that have multiple left-handers, so that can be a little bit worrisome, and you'd like to see them find more success against left-handers down the stretch of the season. That's something to certainly be uh, cognizant of. Uh, But you're really kind of picking at things right now to, to figure out things that you're worried about. They didn't play well this year against Kansas City and Minnesota. Okay big deal like there every year that happens right there's a team or two every year that you just don't play well against and the good thing for the brewers is the teams that they didn't play well against this year so far are teams that they're not going to see in the postseason Uh, i know there's people out there that are concerned when you go lose two out of three against minnesota and when you can't beat kansas city during the year i had people asking about whether or not the brewers are playing down to their competition i don't think they are uh, you go look at the bad teams they've played since the All-Star break, all the series against Pittsburgh, uh, uh, the series against Washington, series against the Cubs. They've been good against bad teams. 
just for whatever reason, Kansas City and Minnesota, they've had a hard time with this year. Two American League teams that won't be in the playoffs. If you could if you could give me the definition of the team that you want to struggle against in a season, that's it. A team from the other league that won't be in the postseason. There. That's fine. So I'm I'm not I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, you just kind of you keep moving forward. It's going to be really fun to see what they do against San Francisco. They should have, at the very least, taken two of three from the Giants when uh, the Giants were in Milwaukee. We remember the play that Avisael Garcia did not make in right field that would have ended the game. Um, that's one of those things. Very few times in baseball can you look at one specific play and say that one play was the difference between winning and losing. But, you know, going back to dictionary definitions, that was the dictionary definition of it uh, when he didn't make that play out in right field, a play that will probably be the only time in his career he ever has a play that uh, goes that way. They could have swept the series, and the other loss against the Giants, uh, there was a Luis Urias error that kind of opened up the door for some runs to score. So, yeah, that's um, it's going to be really fun to see what they do against the Giants, and that that's a possibility of a NLCS preview. Which would the, the Giants are a good team. Giants are a good team. I don't know if the Giants are better than the Dodgers. I'll be honest with you. Maybe I'm just maybe I don't watch the Giants and the Dodgers enough. Maybe I'm caught up by some of the names on the Dodgers roster. The fact that they won the World Series last year, I would I would uh, for the, on the Brewers' behalf, I would rather see them playing the Giants in the NLCS than the Dodgers in the NLCS. I just feel like the Giants are a little bit of a better matchup than the Dodgers. And I'm well aware of the fact that the Brewers took three out of four from the Dodgers uh, earlier uh, earlier this year when, when the Dodgers were in Milwaukee and the Brewers are going to wrap up against the Dodgers. That's going to be the final season weekend uh, there. Uh, what, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Those are the final three games of the regular season, and they are going to be played in Los Angeles. So that's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out because there's a possibility. Those games probably won't matter much for the Brewers, and they could potentially matter a lot for the Dodgers as they might still be battling out the Giants uh, for either the National League wildcard spot or the top of the National League West. But, yeah, overall, Brewers play well. They're doing what they need to do. They're continuing to lead the division by a lot. Uh, they're boring just in the sense that there's not a lot of drama to this right now. They're not boring in the way they play baseball. They are a very fun team to watch. They were... The, the offense kind of went away there for a couple games against the Twins. That was maybe the most uh, alarming thing of what happened in those first two games. As good as the team has been hitting, as good as the team has been scoring runs, as much damage as they've been providing uh, there in those first two games against the Twins where they where they couldn't get an extra base hit. You don't like to see that, but it happens. You know that's a, in a, in a 162 game season it happens, and you just kind of move forward from that. So yeah, all good. I think I think Brewers fans could be very happy with where things are at uh, right now as they continue to uh, trudge forward, play some tough teams, play some really tough teams uh, here on out. I mean, just looking at the schedule from here on out, they'll play four games against San Francisco. Then they're back home for St. Louis and Philadelphia. St. Louis still battling for a wild card spot. Philadelphia still kind of battling for their wild card spot or or the East, sort of so not in it but not in it. Uh, a little bit of respite then for the next week when they'll go, but. They're on the road against Cleveland and Detroit. Detroit, though, if you've noticed, they're playing much better baseball. That Detroit team has turned into a pretty good team. Uh, then they're going to host the Cubs. They're going to host St. Louis. They're going to host the Mets. And then they'll go to St. Louis and go to the Dodgers to wrap up the season. So, yeah, if you want to look at you know, series against bad teams that are not playing especially well, 
You look at the Cleveland series and you look at the Cubs series. Is that it? Maybe the Mets, and we'll see what happens with the Mets. The Mets are a disaster right now. When Javi Baez is given the thumbs down to say in response to fans boo. I mean, it's just a, it's a mess. It is a it is a mess, and you got to think that there's going to be major changes with that organization uh, going into uh, next year under the uh, under the new ownership and everything. And, yeah, we'll just see how that uh, all that plays out. Sidebar on that because I always have a vested interest in the Mets. I worked previously uh, when I was doing some independent league baseball very early on in my baseball career. I worked on a, uh, I was the broadcaster for a team that was managed by Wally Backman. And to me, he is one of the best managers and best baseball people I've ever been around. Uh, he's got some, some things in his past. He, he was the Diamondbacks manager for a week or a few days later, and they found some stuff that, that's not great. He wasn't trying to hide it. Uh, but it's it's not great, and you know maybe this day and age it's even tougher to get hired into those type of positions with some of the stuff that he's got. But uh, I've always having worked side by side uh, with uh, with Wally for a summer. I've always thought that, and I'm not alone in this. There's a lot of Mets fans who feel the exact same way. I've always thought that if the Mets ever gave him an opportunity to uh, manage the big league team, that they would uh, that they would really be able to turn things around. He's a really good manager. He'd be a good fit there. But Again, there's some things in his past that are, that are there, and, and you can't completely run away from that. But anyways, this isn't a Mets podcast. This is a Brewers podcast. So let's uh, let's talk Brewers baseball. We're going to bring in a guy right now. He is uh, the producer and part of the uh, morning show on uh, 94.5 ESPN. Uh, he, he has his hands all over what we've got uh, going right now at uh, Good Karma Brands when it comes to 94.5 ESPN, when it comes to uh, WTMJ. He is a regular visitor to this podcast you can uh, follow him on Twitter if you would like to. His uh, Twitter handle is at Ashton Rotman, but there's underscore in there. Let's just do this. Uh, at A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-O-T-M-A-N. Always a fun baseball conversation with Ashton Rotman, so let's get to it. Hey, Ashton, how are you? Maddie? I'm doing great. It's late August. It's baseball season at its best to me. I am so excited to be talking about baseball with you today. You know, I let's let's get a couple things out of the way here uh, because there's a lot going on between between you and I right now in this conversation. First off, I had no clue when I asked you to do this uh, a day or two ago that we would be recording on your birthday. So we just like talked for a moment. I didn't even mention your birthday because let me say for everybody listening to this podcast, happy birthday, Ashton. Thanks, Matt. And for everyone listening, Matt did that because he knows I'm embarrassed by it, which is why we're good friends. Uh, yes, Matt, I had the distinction of you asked me and I could have knowing that it was my birthday said, no, I'm busy. And I decided to say yes, because I love talking about baseball with you so much. It's a gift unto myself. So since I embarrass you on your birthday, I'll embarrass myself a little bit. Well, I got done with Brewers Extra Innings at about 530. Um uh, we started the podcast interview at about 6.30, so that's an hour that went by. In that hour, I worked out for about 35 minutes, and then I jumped into the shower and, and tried to uh, try to get myself presentable, which I didn't. Uh, I said to you earlier, I'm like George Costanza in the episode of Seinfeld where he goes to... Um, where he goes to the job interview after being at the gym, and he says the shower didn't take. The shower didn't take, so we're on Zoom right now, and you're looking at me, and basically I'm a sweaty mess. I mean, sweaty mess is basically my uh, life business card. It's just Ashton Rotman, sweaty mess, call now. That's there. pretty much what it says. So I, I, uh, I commiserate with you. Okay, there you go. We got, uh, we got everything out of the way that's important. Now let's talk baseball. No, I kid, I kid. Uh, I, I was thinking, before we did this interview, 
I was thinking back to a text that you sent me. I'm, I'm guessing it was in early June. I could go look, but it doesn't matter. I'm guessing it's in early June. And basically, you asked me how good I thought the Brewers were. And it was around that time that the Brewers were starting to kind of take control of the Central. And if I remember correctly, I basically said, they're good, but they're not great. They're not like the Dodgers. They're not the top-tier team in the National League. And as time has gone by, like I view this team as a legit World Series contender right now. I think they could potentially beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series, beat the Giants, beat whoever in a seven-game series. They could lose, lose to these teams, too. I mean, it's not like they're you know way better than them, but they're certainly not way worse. That's my take. What's your take? Well, because I think you agreed with me when we had that text exchange. Have you, like me, maybe changed your thought a little bit? I mean, I basically, I need to eat a lot of crow, I think. Uh, anyone who has talked Brewers with me over the last three months uh, since the Adamus trade has happened has probably seen my shift and be like, okay, let's see them beat some good teams. Then they have June happened, and I said, okay, yes, they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Let's see them beat someone and, and actually continue this, and uh, they have. The Brewers have been my own personal biggest surprise um, this year, not from the pitching to the consistency of hitting to Willie Adamus himself for the last time I think I was on with you was shortly after uh, they acquired him. And this was probably before our text exchange. Uh, and I said, I'm just not sure that I buy into him being a game changer. It's, he's great, you know, for the two weeks that he was there already. Uh, and I was dead wrong. Like, I, I was dead wrong. This is a legitimately good team. Uh, do I still think there's a, a distinct possibility it could come crashing down? Sure. But, like, it's baseball. Of course it could. Uh, but right now, every time I watch them play, in my mind, in the back of it, I'm like, are they actually this good? And then without fail, there is two or three moments every game where I'm like, yeah, they just, they just are. They are legitimately a good baseball team. Uh, so I 100% am going back on that text. Yeah, I, I agree. And I almost think you know, as as good of a regular season they're having, it almost feels like they're they're built that much more for the postseason, specifically because of the pitching. You're going to be able to throw out – Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta in all but probably two, maybe three games in the postseason. Because if you play, if you play every game possible in the postseason, you need a fourth starter probably once in the championship series and once in the World Series. You don't need it in the division series. Now the Brewers have gone with a six-day rotation all year, so maybe they're not totally comfortable going back to the five-day rotation in the postseason where maybe they do push a fourth starter on uh, in the uh, in, in the division series. But if you want to go under the kind of the five-day umbrella, you only need a fourth starter once in the championship series and once in the World Series. So that means mm-hmm. under that you got those three guys pitching the vast majority of your games of the postseason, meaning you have a very good chance of winning any of those games. You know, and I don't know how much we're going into this, Matt, but I am curious um, how September's going to be treated, especially with the pitching staff. Like, they, they have an uh, eight-and-a-half game lead right now, I believe, in the division as, as we speak. Yeah, because they uh, they won Reds lost on Sunday. So, I, I mean, they can do – Craig Council can do as much as he wants to try and plan ahead and continue to give the six days off and try some other things. I, I am curious what September's going to look like. And I'm also very curious, and tell me if I'm just being way too baseball-y here, but uh, the last series of the season is in L.A. against the Dodgers. Yeah. I am fascinated for how they treat that series. It's probably going to mean a lot more for the Dodgers than it is the Brewers. Right. So do they show their – I know, we're looking a month and a half – not a month and a half, but a month ahead. But, like, how do they treat September? How do they want to line that up? How how are they going to do these things? Uh, is this is this the roster? Like, it, with everything that's going on, is this the roster? I just, I, I'm fascinated by how they're going to treat September. 
uh, heading into the playoffs because, again, at, at some point towards the end of September, we're going to have a good feeling of who they're going to play and how it's starting to shape up and, and kind of how we feel about that. I think we already have a good idea. They're going to play the Braves, right? I, I don't see the Braves I mean, yeah. losing the, that. The, right. It would, be, it would be nearly, not impossible, but it would be uh, shocking, I would say, if they don't end up playing the Braves. Something, yeah. something in the West would have gone terribly wrong at that point. Um, and like we've, we've, we just saw them play the, uh, the Braves about a, a month ago, I think it was. Um, and I just, I think their starting rotation, the Brewers, is such a great playoff rotation, not just because they've got three top line pitchers. I think also the way that those guys pitch, like the, the straight up power pitchers that they've become, all three of them, uh, and their bullpen, as long as it stays intact, just it's essentially to me, it's this it's Burns, Peralta, and Woodruff pitch as many innings as you can in your start. Whatever the gap is between getting to Devin Williams and Josh Hader, just hold the fort down, and you should feel as comfortable as possible, especially in the playoffs, because that's when you're using your power pitchers the most anyways, and you want to just over overpower guys. I'm using the word power a lot, but you want to just overpower guys. Okay, so I have two direct responses to everything that you just said. Let's go with the first one here, and because this does have to do with September, and it's what I am intrigued by. They've done the six-day rotation all year long, to try to sustain the health of the starters. And I think they've done a fantastic job with it. I don't think they deserve uh, – I don't think they're getting as much credit as they deserve in terms of the overall health of starting pitching this year. Basically, uh, between those top three, you have a COVID IL situation with uh, Burns, and you got just a really minor shoulder deal right now uh, with Peralta, and not much more than that. And most teams, when it comes to their top-line starters, they've dealt with a lot more. So in the final month of September – do you keep the six-day rotation to try to keep them healthy? Or if they were, say, planning on really focusing on those three guys specifically, do you actually drop it down to the five-day rotation so that their arms are kind of conditioned in that way going to the postseason where you might need some of the guys to start on on four days rest instead of five days rest? Because I don't want you to forget your... uh, I'm going to say I don't no, I don't think I want that. I kind of like the idea of keeping it as is. Yeah. And, until maybe the final, if you can maybe the, the first half of September, keep it as is. And maybe if Craig makes a different decision or is like, you know what, I'd like to try this. But I'm almost inclined to say, why change it now? Not just because, you know, it's the end of the regular season and why change what works. But like, seriously, why change what's been working for you? Even if you already know your, your playoff matchup, how much of it do you want to mess with heading into the playoffs? And. Who cares if Eric Lauer gets a start in the division series, right? Like, we, right. we we put so much pressure or so much focus on the, and I just said it a moment ago, I'm not going back on what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying they could go through mm. the postseason where all but two starts are handled by those top three guys. But what if they don't do it that way? What if they say, okay, you know what? Eric Lauer's going to get a start here. Brett Anderson's going to get a start here. Ashby's going to get it. Like, whatever. Who Does it really matter if, if their four starter gets three starts or four starts in the postseason compared to two? Uh, I don't think so. No, and actually, now I'm thinking back to the the 2018 run and the uh, the way they used Wade Miley in that. I, I can't remember which series it was uh, now, but they had through the the first batter and that was it. Yeah, that was the Dodgers uh, series. That was the NLCS. It was the Dodgers series. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you preparing yourself to see that again? Uh, like, are, no. Is, uh, so that, that's my other thing is if we're not because they don't have the same type of pitching staff that they did back then, of course. Um, then I say just. I said, don't mess with it. Like, if you already are planning for, like you just said, an Aaron Ashby is going to get a start. Eric Lauer might get a start. Like, even then, like, you're not expecting those guys to throw seven innings. You just need them to be competent for a start. 
Okay. A start or two. So you're ro- rolling right into the second thing I wanted to bring mm-hmm. up because this is probably, and I, and I know we're looking ahead a month, but this is fun. Um, I love this. In the postseason, starters don't go deep into games. They right. just don't. Even top-tier starters, many of them end up going five innings, get in just a little bit of trouble, and all of a sudden their manager's walking out of the uh, dugout to, to get them out of there. If there is something to be maybe a little bit worried about with the Brewers somewhere, it's that these guys that you have been so reliant on getting you six innings to get to Boxberger, Williams, Hader, all mm-hmm. of a sudden if they're only giving you five innings, do, who's that guy? Are you are you trusting Hunter Strickland? Are you hu- hu- trusting Brent Suter? Are you trusting Jake Cousins in a in a big time situation in a one run game in a two run game in that type of spot? And I think you know the, the, they're so built for these starters going at least six to get you to those high end relievers. What happens if, like in many postseason games, your starters run into trouble that second time through the order? So let me ask you a quick counter question before we get into who, who will actually be the ones doing the pitching. Is it the worst thing in the world if they try to keep it the same? I, I know look, no. I know as well as you do that playoff baseball is different, but is it? would it be that shocking if, for the, at least for the DS, you're looking at it and you're like, let's stretch them into the sixth inning. Let's, let's see if they can handle that before we, uh, we kind of you know, call the bullpen out and we go 9-1-1 on it. Like I just, I'm curious if the philosophy for letting them try and stretch it out themselves and handle it Instead of just first thing that comes up, like it was in 2018 at times, and how it has been in playoff baseball the past couple of years, the philosophy I'm wondering is going to be different now because they have these overbearing pitchers. Yeah, I I think you have to do it that way. This is one of those times where I really think you try to play it in the postseason the way you played it in the regular season. This is a I've said this over and over, and I hate saying this because I feel like I sound someone that sound like someone that doesn't respect or understand the history of the game of baseball, and I, you know that's not true about me <laughs> right um when it comes to a top three in a single season in my lifetime there are not many that can stand up to this top three now mm-hmm. they haven't done from like a career perspective I, I always put these caveats on it like i understand they're not hall of famers they haven't gone to tons and tons of all-star games they haven't already right. won world series but like when when we talk about like smoltz glavin and, and, and maddox like this the, the kind of numbers those guys were putting up in single seasons, that's what these guys are doing. They're, they're, you know, they're top five ERAs, all three of them at, at some point, and Peralta's fallen out now because he doesn't have the minimum innings pitch. But we are, we are talking about three guys in one rotation. This is borderline historic what they're doing. Uh, yeah, so you got to go with it. I was going to say, I think that's why it's okay. To do. It's okay to look at it and be like, if, if you're Craig Council, that's how I'm trying to view this is from the prism of if I'm Craig Council and I have to manage the pitching staff. Uh, if I'm looking, I'm like, okay, they're, they are this good. Like, I can't, I have to trust that they've been this good for a reason this whole year. First sign of trouble, I can't just go out there and yank them because, like, okay, well, I, we've got a really good back end of the bullpen, and now we just need to hope that we can get to it or we want to m- mitigate the issues early. Unless it's, like, 4 nothing in the third inning, I don't see the harm in holding them out there. Your offense should be good enough to to try and back them up and get back into the game. I, I just, I really think the expectation, and this is the word I'm going to use, I think the expectation is for those three guys, you should expect them, even in the playoffs, to get into the sixth, get into and maybe through the sixth inning. And the other side of that is, there are times where if you've got one ace, then you are thinking, well, we're going to bring him back on three days rest. Right. So you if don't have a, to do that. So if your game beat 
early on in a game and you're Craig Council, there's that small voice in the back of your mind saying, well, i got to bring this guy back on three days rest. Let's go ahead and get him out of there now. There's never going to be a knock on wood, like watch something crazy happen. But the way this team is put together now, I cannot imagine a scenario where any starter is being asked to come back on three days. No, and this goes back to the you know the six days rest they've been doing. This goes back to you and I talking a few minutes ago about what do they, how do they handle it in September? Is it going to be the same? And I think this is part of the reason why you got to keep it the same. Um, you're not going to because you're not going to have to ask them to come back on three days rest unless, like you said, knock on one, unless there's an injury. But again, you can throw Brent Suter out there for a start if you really need to. If he makes the roster, you can throw Aaron Ashby out there for a start if you really need to. If a guy feels tired, like I just Brent Suter, by the way, is the name that I was thinking of. It could be that guy that maybe you you trust every couple of days if you need to for an inning or two in the middle relief area. Um, I, I just, I don't think the Brewers should be overthinking it when it comes to their starting pitching staff for a playoff series. It's pretty ridiculous that starters number four through seven are Brett Anderson, Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, mm-hmm. and Aaron, whatever, whatever, you know, order you want to put those guys in. You got Ashby, who's only getting starts right now because guys are on the injured list. He's going to end up in the bullpen. You yep. got another couple guys who've got sub four ERAs. You got a, a guy in Anderson who, when he's healthy, he can he can really pitch well and he can give you those five innings a, a, a run or two. And he's got experience. A, yeah. So that that being your next three or next four, however you want to look at it, after the top three, that's. As much as the top three guys have to do with the Brewers' record, that has a lot to do with it as well. Because, Ashton, you know as well as anybody, go look at the number four, number five, and for the teams that have gone to a six-day rotation, number six starters across Major League Baseball. There are, with all due respect to them, there's a lot They're of bad. not so good bad. pitching out there. Yeah, bad. I'll, I'll say it for you. I'll okay. say it, I will gladly say it for you. It's bad. It is uh, a phrase that I like to use. It is not every fourth through six, but I'm going to say it because I love the phrase. At times, it's hot garbage. It is just not good, and nobody wants to be around it. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're looking around like, oh, no, I have to do this, you are in trouble, and you're going to lose that game and that series. That's, and the Brewers are not and should not be thinking that they're that starting team. And there's nothing wrong with your fifth starter being not very good. Most teams right. are like that. Like, that's just the way things <laughs> are. fifth starter. Yeah. If there's nothing. If the Brewers had a bad fifth starter, okay, they have a bad fifth starter. Let's see if they can get you through five innings and keep you in the game every fifth day, and mm-hmm. you'll focus on the other four days. But the Brewers, the closest thing to that is Brett Anderson, and it's only because he has a hard time staying healthy. Right. So, so I think if going back to what we talked about a few minutes ago, you were asking me the pitchers before I decided to divert and ask a counter question. I think Brett Anderson, a good option there. Uh, Brent Suter would be another guy before getting into before you're talking about Brad Bar- uh, Boxberger, Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Um, and my question for you, like, what's Jake Cousins role? What's is he going to be part of this? Is he an option out of the bullpen? Is he one of those guys? Like it's some of the, there's some of these guys that Hunter Strickland, as you mentioned, that have started to make their impacts over the last month and I wonder okay this might be their first time making a big impact I know Hunter Strickland's been around a while but for a guy like Jake Cousins this is their first time making a big impact how much uh pressure do you put on them how much weight do you put on their shoulders to be like we need you to get three outs in this inning yes and then we're moving on so you bring up Cousins and you never with me like I'm a I'm a track record guy Sure, and you should be. I never really know what to make of guys to come out and have these just spectacular starts to their career because especially pitchers, eventually film gets out on you. And Cousins is a guy who was pitching independent ball not that long ago. So there's right. there's very little film on this guy. And what impressed me was he gave up his first run against Washington. Then he his next outing, he got two outs. And then his outing after that against Cincinnati, he gave up another run. So he gave up 
two runs over three outings over two and two-thirds innings. And it kind of felt like it almost it didn't feel totally the way things were going with Miguel Sanchez, but it kind of felt like that. And then he had to come out and face off against uh, Minnesota, and mm. he was asked to get four outs. He got four outs, three of them via the strikeout, and I thought that was a big-time bounce back. And I, I believe in Jake Cousins more right now because of his appearance against Minnesota when he's asked to get those four outs coming off giving up two runs over three outings than I did before because I start really judging guys when they get the first taste of adversity because it's going to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. I judge guys when they get that first taste of adversity and how they bounce back. And admittedly, it's only one outing, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But I feel pretty good about Cousins and what he is doing as being a legit sort of deal. You just told me. I'm in. Okay. It's it's funny of these guys. I mean, last year was Topa, and maybe he ends up being part of this again. Yeah, he he's back at AAA. They're trying to get him to to pitch more regularly. But yep. it, it seems like there's always just this totally unsung guy. Last year, Eric Yardley also was one of those guys. There's been other guys. Carlos Torres had that one year where he was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Nobody could figure out why. I remember yeah. distinctly sitting there trying to look at advanced numbers, being like, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And uh, anyone who's listened to me on this before or just listened to me talk about baseball before, I like numbers because they make, usually explain something. And I could not figure it out the life of me with Carlos Torres. And he was awesome. And I loved watching him pitch. I loved every moment of it because he was a K-State guy. And he yep. was at K-State when I was at K-State. So I watched him pitch in college. So it was always really cool for me to be uh, be covering him when he was in the big leagues. Yeah, I, I, I just... That's why I ask about Cousins because, again, it's a young guy, and you mentioned the he's getting his first taste of success, really, and he's doing it without harm. Like, he's just kind of doing it and going out there like, okay, you're going to get in that moment in the seventh inning of game one against the Braves, let's say, and there's a guy on first and counts those out there and say, okay, we need a double play ball or get, get out of the inning. And is he going to do it? And Freddie Freeman's on deck, so good luck with the hitter in front. I just I, – that's the, the situation I think everyone's got to play on their head is, okay – do you trust Jay Cousins to get you through one inning to get you th- to the next reliever? So it's funny, but okay, so I, I like Jay Cousins a lot. I just, I think, I think it's really tough to be a relief pitcher in the postseason. I think, the, sure. I think the postseason is the evil, worst. is evil to relief pitchers. And right now, as it sits, there is not a relief pitcher in the Brewers bullpen that I don't believe can go out and have a really nice performance, who I don't have confidence in. There's not a guy that when he gets up warming, it goes, oh, boy, oh, boy, um, especially when everybody's, everybody's healthy. Sure. Um, when it gets to the postseason, if it's not Devin Williams or Josh Hader, I think um, it's going to be a little nerve-wracking, even Brad Boxberger, and maybe that's not fair to him, uh, but if it's not Williams and Hader, there's going to be some nerves about whatever bullpen pitcher comes out there. Ah, nerves, schmerves. Come on, Matt. It's the playoffs. It's what we want. It's fun though, and they'll they'll be fine. They 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 will be. I I I shouldn't say that about Boxberger because man, he has been. You talk about somebody who's unsung. I mean, they. There's been a lot of talk about this recently, and I don't feel like people have been telling the whole story because I've heard it on multiple broadcasts. I've heard it on show. Like the the idea that he did not make the team out of spring training which is true, what's never brought up is the reason he wasn't he didn't make the team out of spring training. He didn't make the team out of spring training not because he didn't pitch well enough to make the team. He didn't make it because if you're on 
the roster on opening day and you've got a certain amount of service time or something, your your sal- your salary is basically guaranteed. So the Brewers did not have him on the opening day roster basically to not guarantee his salary. They did the same thing with, uh, with Zimmerman, and yep. then they both ended up uh, re-signing with the team. It was just there, at that point, I don't know if there was confidence or, or not enough confidence. So it isn't that he didn't pitch well enough in spring training not to make the team. That's that's not correct, and people who have been saying that are incorrect in saying that. But what is correct is that the Brewers did not have the confidence in him that he was going to be on the team the entire season, so they were protecting themselves and mitigating any future losses by taking him off the roster so he wasn't on the first day so they didn't have to pay out his salary for the entire year if they did let him go. And even that is a little bit wacky when you consider how right. important to the bullpen he has become. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think about Boxberger early in the season. Like He was getting a lot when Devin Williams early in the season was just bad. It, it was bad. Like He needed to find his footing. He was still a little bit injured. He was trying to find his, his, kind of his, his reps and his rhythm. Um, and Boxberger was the one put in those tough spots when it wasn't Hader in there. And I, I thought, for the most part, by now I have to, go, I would have to go back and check game logs. But I'm going by memory right now. Uh, like he has now, he's been in those situations plenty, and mm-hmm. he's had to get out of tough, tough situations. He's had to, uh, he's had to get saves every once in a while. Like I think he's got that kind of fortitude to use a great sports word and good sports speak. He's got the fortitude now in those big moments. You're like, okay, yeah, fine, throw him out there. He's got to be the one to, to get to Williams. He's got to be the one because. Devin threw 30 pitches last night. We wanted him to be ready for game three. Great. Sounds good to me. I, I threw this question out the other night on uh, on Brewers Weekly, and I got some really good responses from it. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to figure out what areas of the team might not be where you want them to be. Is there any area that does concern you? If the, if the, first base. First base, yeah. It's, it's, and, you know, that, that's the corner position. The corner infield has been the biggest bugaboo for me pretty much the last, like, four years, it feels like, with the Brewers. Um, and they always – tend to figure it out for the most part they have figured out the third base fine I, i'm gonna stop arguing it even though i may not love it it's been working great i'm i'm done arguing it first base i am terrified of something going wrong not just defensively but whoever they're throwing out their hitting wise it's just streaky yeah. like the first baseman on offense are so streaky that i i don't want that streak of coldness uh, to come at a time when it's the sixth inning and you got a guy on second and Rowdy Telez is up to bat and all of a sudden it's like okay well if we if say he's coming off the bench uh, okay great we use him now they're going to just keep bringing in lefties to pitch after that and and hopefully he just doesn't have to face him I just think of I, I'm worried that it's not a, I don't want to say fluke that's not the word I'm thinking of I, I'm worried that the streak uh, could run out at any point and they're going to have a three game stretch where just whoever's playing first can't hit and you can't have that. Or, I agree with everything you said. Let me take it one step further because mm-hmm. Rowdy Telez hit a home run on Sunday, and that was really good to see. But he'd basically gone two weeks without a home run during that period of time. He may have had one double or two doubles. So, all yeah. the extra base power just went away all of a sudden out of nowhere for, for Telez. And it's a little bit startling when you see that. And now you hope that that home run gets him back going because we still don't know. It goes back to track record, we still have no clue who Rowdy right. Telez is. And anybody who says they do know who Rowdy Telez is, they don't know what they're talking about. They're guessing. Right. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. None of us, none of us have any clue who Rowdy Telez is. So if if who he is is closer to what we've seen in the last two weeks, a really struggling offensive first baseman, then you're stuck in a situation where Eduardo Escobar is going to play first base a lot against righties and against lefties. Mm-hmm. And 
in a one-run game in the ninth inning when Luis Urias puts one in the dirt throwing from third and Escobar doesn't dig that thing out, that can be a problem. Matt, I, I believe it was within the first week. Yes, because right after the trade deadline, Eduardo Escobar is the, the game where Rowdy Telez is a day game against the Pirates at AmFam. Rowdy Telez hits a three-run homer to go ahead in the seventh, and the Brewers end up winning that game. I think it was Sam Williams' first save. Uh, early in the game, and the play ended up being called an out, but it was the play where there was a ball in the dirt, Eduardo Escobar is playing first, goes to scoop it, does not at all do it properly, happens to catch the ball with his bare hand in midair, and after further review, they end up calling him out. This is the first second inning of the game. And I'm watching it, and I'm on the lower level, and I see, have a perfect eye of it. I, I played first base, and the only reason I bring it up, not at a high level at all, but just the sense of like knowing that feeling, the feeling of not knowing or having the confidence that you're going to make a play when a ball is thrown in the dirt mm-hmm. is the worst. And the situation you just presented is going to happen at some point in a big moment, in a big game. And it could be in the, at the end of the season, and that could shoot your confidence. It could be the first game of the playoffs, and it could shoot your confidence. You don't know when it's going to happen. And I just, I, this is why it, it irks me. And I, I, it irks me that <laughs> David Stearns and the Brewers keep trying to play guys at first base that aren't first basemen. I just, I don't want the one time it backfires truly to be the last possible moment it can backfire. It really has been. I mean, Eric Thames did a nice job for a while. I still. Had, I, I love st- Eric Thames. He had his moments, but I love Eric Thames. I still think it is one of the most incredible things in my lifetime in baseball that a guy who led the National League in home runs got non-tendered and Chris yep. Carter when he was yep. the Brewer. And he didn't hit, like, he struck out a ton. He didn't hit for average. I understand. But, uh, like, you talk about the the world of baseball changing. A guy leads the National League in home runs and gets non-tendered. And it and, was the right call. Yeah. <laughs> I, he, he really, I don't know if, uh, he went and played internationally. I, does he, he have a... He played in Japan, and he was he was in like 50 homers, I remember, in Japan. But, you know, I think when he came back to the majors that very next year, he didn't do anything, and then he went to Japan, Chris Carter's like, yeah, but that's your typical, like, old-school power hitter, and that's it. He just he hits home runs, and he doesn't do doesn't drive in runs anywhere else. He doesn't get on base. He's just that old, like, early 2000s, late 90s, like, all right, uh, just go hit a bomb, and hopefully everything else is fine. Yeah, they brought in Justin Smoke. That didn't work. Nope. Uh, they tried Logan Morrison for a moment nope. last year. Like, it's just... Who was the last consistent first baseman for the Brewers? I mean, I would count Thames. That okay. that would be it. Um, but like, yes, that goes that goes back to you. All right, even still, like that didn't work. Like it it worked for a time, but that's if your answer is the last consistent one, and your answer is Eric Thames, uh, that means that's a hole they have to figure out franchise wise just for the future. Yeah, uh, and I don't. I, they don't try Keston here or there again. I wouldn't think. I, that was a bad idea. Uh, we can go back and listen. That was a bad idea when it happened. It's remaining a bad idea. The Ryan Braun thing, I know everyone, lo- I like to bring that one up because it was funny to me to watch. That was a bad idea. It just, get a first base. I, I, I don't really know what to do with it because now they've tried first baseman, they've tried bad first baseman. So they're like, okay, well, we've got a bad first baseman and hopefully he's got a, hit, a streaky uh, shot in him where he's going to start hitting. I'm not even talking about this year. I'm talking about when they signed Justin Smoke. I was like, oh, they had that one year in Toronto. I'm like, no, he didn't. Um, so I, I just the first base thing. I, I just goes back to Moneyball and the, you know, Billy B, the Brad Pitt, Billy Bean being like, oh, it's incredibly, it, you know, it's first base, it's easy, and it's Ron Washington saying it's incredibly hard. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's not an easy position just because you catch the ball. There are so many mitigating factors that can screw something up. And I just, I don't know why it bothers me so much that they don't just get a damn first baseman to play first base. But they win. You, they, I know they win. I'm always wrong. It doesn't matter. 
They've got the um, – I don't think people realize this. Oh, what's the number? I think since 2017, 2018 – I think since 2017. That was the year that they they missed they out missed on the playoffs out by a one day. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, and since the start of 2017, they've played in one game that did not matter, and it was the final game of the season that year. Yep. Uh, since 2017, I believe they've got the second-best winning percentage in the National League, only to the Dodgers. I believe that's correct. I think yeah. I saw that stat the other day. Yeah, yeah. that is correct. It's, Which is, again – for everything that I've just been maligning about when it comes to the first baseman, you know, everyone can just be like, Ashton, shut up, you're wrong. And I say, okay, you're right, I'm wrong. I don't know anything. Do the in- they got a bunch of injuries. Adamas just came back. Freddie Peralta is mm-hmm. going to be back for the next homestand. Tyrone Taylor is going to be out for, for a few weeks. Um, I- I'm missing some, just thinking of them off the, the top of my head. Uh, obviously, Escobar, and he's getting back on the field a little bit. He should be back here in the next week or so. Uh, do any of those injuries worry you for long again it doesn't these these games right now from a win loss perspective the single right. games really don't matter now they obviously have to accumulate enough wins to finish off winning the division uh but with the eight and a half game lead i'm sorry i know i keep saying this and people think i'm challenging baseball gods i'm not they, this is their division they're gonna win this division uh but so the the single games don't matter that much uh but eventually y- you want these guys healthy yeah, I think Adamus is the one. And I, I think that's honestly the easy answer to me is Adamus because of what he's done this year. And you say, okay, uh, he got injured. Is that going to is that gonna stop what he's been doing? Is that all of a sudden he got injured and now it's going to be a recurring thing or a nagging uh, thing that I always gets talked about, obviously, when it comes to injuries in sports and nagging injury. You don't want that to happen, um, which is why it's so important that they have this huge lead heading into September where you can monitor that. And you can say, okay, w- you know, Willie, let's go a couple of days here a day off, a couple days on, one off. I, I, I think they can be very diligent with how they're keeping guys in shape, but also um, healthy enough to where they don't have to make them exhausted. And this goes back to the Freddie Peralta thing where uh, you, you have to be very cognizant of what his shoulder is going to be like because he has not thrown this many innings. And he has, over the last couple of years, completely changed his style of pitching. Will Salmon wrote an awesome article yeah. last year in The Athletic about how uh, Freddie changed his entire his pitching and he started developing more pitches. Um, I, I just I think that's the great thing about having this huge lead. But the Adamus injury is, is the one that I'd be like, okay, I, I would like to see this play out slowly but surely. I am okay with bringing him back. You mentioned Will Salmon. I find myself quoting Will Salmon stuff. Oh, he's great. He's so good. Um, his story that he wrote recently about Brewers' adjustments to non-fastballs was incredible. Yeah. His profile of Rowdy Telez was great. The other day when Pat Murphy got uh, thrown out, uh, he quoted a story <laughs> from back uh, earlier in the season that he contributed to where the Athletic did a big thing on the, the meetings at the mound, and there was a stuff in there about Pat Murphy. I can't tell you um, his different takes on the game. and the, mm-hmm. the It's just it's really – I learn stuff from him, and I really appreciate him. You know, it's funny. I, I credit you, fans, and also Will, uh, for my turning point, essentially, when it comes to the Brewers. Um, I'm, I, it's taken us, you know, 30 minutes before I've even mentioned the name Avi Garcia yet. Um, I have a tumultuous relationship with Avi Garcia because I spent so many years as a White Sox fan waiting for him to figure it out. And he did for one season. And it was awesome. And then he left. And he was okay no, I, I, he was good with the race. And then he came here and he was bad last year. And this year I'm like, okay, let's, he was bad to start the season. And I was like, okay, then he, I, I right again. I just, this is what I was worried about. And he has a good month and another good month and an end month and then another good month. And he's been consistent to who he is. 
uh, where he's not hitting for average, but he's getting on base. He's driving in runs. He's hitting for more power than he's ever hit before. Um, and, and Will's article recently, the one you, you mentioned about the adjusting to different pitches, um, it's just another reason I was reading that. And I was like, all right, I was wrong. I guess that's fine. I, I can still be stubborn about it, but like I, I was wrong about it. And hopefully, again, this goes back to hopefully he's not, obviously not a guy who's going to hit a cold streak. Well, go back to what I've seen. Okay, so... I, I think he's had a fantastic season. I'm not trying to denigrate his year, but I do think what I'm about to present is a really legitimate question on, on Avi. He is a mistake hitter. Yes. When, when you look at the home runs he's hitting, he doesn't miss on mistakes. He is as good, I would argue, he is as good as anybody in baseball that when a pitcher makes a mistake, he's he going to provide damage. He yeah, is such a good mistake hitter. When you're in the postseason, there's so many fewer mistakes being made by pitchers. So to me, he's a he's a bit of a question mark. I'm gonna. I can't believe I'm about to do this. I'm gonna argue in favor of Javier Garcia here. You are 100 percent correct. Here's a caveat. You are 100 percent correct that in the playoffs, mistakes don't happen. I think, however, having that guy who will make the mistake pitcher uh, pay on your your roster in the playoffs, where that one mistake happens, changes an entire game. I'm I'm thrilled that the Brewers have that guy. But but you're you are not wrong in saying that he is a mistake hitter, a mistake pitch hitter. Yeah. Um, but I I think I'm going to use that in my mind as an advantage for what he could bring to the table in the, in the playoffs. I'm just I'm not making a prediction. I'm just very curious. I, I don't know what his post. Right. I, I think his postseason could look thing, different though. than his regular season. Yeah, and and that's you using the eye test, which yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. You can you watch and say, okay, this guy uh, on a two zero pitch, a uh, hanging slider just happened. Boom, home run, done. It's like okay. That's a mistake, but you made him pay. And that's what major league hitters should be doing, and that's what a guy of his athleticism and skill when it comes to power uh, should be doing. All right, Ash, I want to get a couple of plugs in for you here before we let you go. First off, you're on Twitter at Ashton underscore Rotman, A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-O-T-M-A-N. Let's try that again. A-S-H-T-O-N underscore R-O-T-M-A-N. I'm not even going to edit this and fix it. We're just leaving it like that because we can make mistakes on podcasts. Um, That's the first thing. Second thing, uh, give a plug for your morning show. Uh, Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, 94.5 ESPN, uh, 7 to 9 in the morning. Uh, We had a show, and I'm not going to say more than this, just you're going to have to go find it. We had a show a couple of weeks ago where we talked about the name Richard because it's an objectively hilarious name recently. Uh, We do things like that. We talk about the Packers quarterback. We talk about... Uh, the Brewers, when they do something fun, uh, we'll talk a lot more about the Brewers when come playoff time so that I, myself and Gabe Knights, who are both giant baseball fans, uh, can nerd out about baseball on the air with uh, friends and the morning show. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hijinks. If you're looking to uh, make your commute in the morning a little bit more fun, a little bit easier, a little bit more, let's say, crazy, and where you're like, what on earth are they doing? Nine to f- 94.5 ESPN, 7 to 9 every morning. That's where you're going to want to be. Okay, last thing for you. You recently had a Rots Tots event. You do those every uh, once in a while. Uh, give a plug for that and why you are doing it and uh, who you are looking to benefit. Yes, uh, pancreatic cancer is a terrible, terrible disease. Uh, my grandfather passed away from it in 2004. My dad passed away from it in 2017, making sure I got those years right. Uh, yeah, so... But, uh, and they're both our family, big food family. I mean, who doesn't love food? Honest to God, man, who doesn't love food? You and I talk about food, the office, and baseball. Those are, I think, our yes. top three topics when mm-hmm. we talk about things, um, maybe in that order. And I love food more than anything. My dad, uh, before he passed away, we were in the process of possibly uh, creating some sort of a hot dog stand, restaurant type thing. Um, and what my brother and my family and I have done is to benefit uh, pancreatic cancer research through this foundation called PANCAN. It stands for Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. 
we uh, put on a hot dog stand, kind of a pop-up. Uh, every year we've done it around my dad's birthday, which is in March. Uh, so the, the last time we did it in full, with, which happens uh, about 500 people end up showing up where it's kind of open house um, and every, all the funds we raised benefits have been created cancer research was two days before the world shut down in 2020. We did not do one this year, a full one. We did a smaller version outdoors last week. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was more like, hey, let's get back to it. And hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we'll be able to do one this upcoming March fully back on Rotsots. Uh, again, benefiting pancreatic cancer uh, research and funding. And this, there's been some really cool developments recently. The uh, survival rate for a five-year survival rate for a stage four pancreatic cancer used to be uh, less than 8%, and I believe it is now up to 10.5%. Hmm. So the research has uh, has been working, and that's kind of the, the cool thing that I get to do every year. And it's one of my dreams in life is to uh, own an actual Rots Hots restaurant. Uh, so this is just kind of good practice and fun practice for us, too. I said Rots Tots, and I meant to say Rots well, Tots. It's also Rots Tots. I mean, honestly, yeah. I haven't settled on a name. I have a whole other business plan uh, that's just Tater Tots. It's called Rots Tots. Okay. I got a lot of ideas. It's it's really my, my, note, my notes app on my phone is just dumb ideas. I'm like, maybe one day. You never know. Will Tots be on the menu at Rots Tots? And they will. There are no fries. There are only Tots. Okay. That's, that's part of the catch. That's good. Okay, so I wasn't completely wrong. You are, you are not wrong, and the reason I didn't correct you is because, hey, who knows what's going to happen first. Maybe it's Rots Tots. Maybe it's Rots Tots. Maybe I'm going to sell bed and some called Rots Cots. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. You shouldn't. Okay. Thanks for coming on, Ashton. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Ashton Rotman joining us here on Brewers Externies, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that's just about going to wrap things up for uh, this week and this week uh, for the Brewers. Again, we've talked about four-game series against San Francisco. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Late-night games, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 8.45 first pitch. So that means we are going to be coming your way with the Brewers X-Trains post-game show. Let's see. So let's say the games go three hours. That's that's uh, maybe we're uh, hoping for something a little more. Although the, the last two games against the Twins uh, went less than three. But generally the Brewers are playing 3.15, 3.20 feels like. So we'll just say three. 845, 945, 10. So 11.45. Um, then the network post will probably take it to like 12.10 or so. So we're probably going, we're starting after midnight, probably going to 1, 1.30, maybe 2 if it's a if it's a pretty late game. So we're going to have some late nights slash early mornings, and I hope you'll uh, join us for those uh, for those shows. They'll play an afternoon game, a late afternoon game in San Francisco on Thursday, and then they're back home for six games, three against St. Louis, three against Philly, beginning on Friday night. Thanks to uh, Ashton Rotman for joining us. Thanks to you for being tuned in. I'll talk to you all week long during uh, Brewers Extra Innings, and I'll talk to you next week for another edition of this podcast, Brewers Extra Innings Podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.